0: and get 10% off your plan.
1: My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big row ass man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day.
0: Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com/generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com/generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be.
2: You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show where we discuss trends, pop culture, the ever-evolving role of moms in the media, because at the end of the day, everything is an ad. I am Luz Corona, Agri Community Editor, and I am here with my lovely, lovely co-host, Rebecca Stewart, our Europe Brand Editor. Rebecca, hello and how are you? Hey,
3: I'm good. How's it going?
2: Good. Thank you. Um, this right now we're recording before Mother's Day. Oh, you know what? I was going to wish you a happy Mother's Day, but in the UK, it's different, right? It's
3: different. Yeah, we have Mother's Day or Mothering Sunday, as we call it, on the 10th of March. And I, I have no idea why it's different. It just is. The yeah. UK likes to do do its own thing. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love
2: it. We're different brands, um, <laughs> but all with the same vision. Um yeah so as you listeners probably caught on we are going to discuss today the ever-evolving role of moms in the media with Mother's Day at the time of this recording now it's before Mother's Day but you will be listening the day after um, so we just want to give our listeners a little bit of a heads up since we'll be talking about the evolution of ads targeting moms in the past few years just a bit of a trigger warning we will be discussing ads that have talked about miscarriages and infertility so just a little bit of a warning for our listeners on what lay Ahead, um, and so to discuss, let's. I mean, Rebecca, we've been talking a lot about this um, because it's a topic near and yeah. dear to our heart, right? We're both moms. Um, Theo and Leo, they're both, you know, in their toddler <laughs> like, years. Uh, but from from our conversations, it's just honestly been so fascinating to learn how what the advertising over there in the UK and how it's kind of evolved over the years and you've written about it. So can you kind of tell us what you've seen in, in the evolution of the role of moms in media over there?
3: Yeah, definitely. So I've seen a bit of a shift in the way brands are speaking to moms and kind of recognizing mom's purchasing power. Um, and that really starts with like the postpartum experience for brands I've found here. So we're seeing brands like LV, which is a femtech brand and Tommy Tippy which is a you know a well-known um, kind of global baby feeding brand addressing like the realities of postpartum and what it means for mum's bodies and their mental health and what it means for dads too and yeah there's just been a real shift in the way they speak to women so Tommy Tippy um, has kind of demystified some of like the realities of breastfeeding and its recent work um, for new and prospective mums and They've been building a community online on Instagram, and um, with like things like tutorials, Instagram live Q and A's with like feeding consultants, sleeping consultants. So genuinely, like trying to show up in mum's life instead of just saying, you know, use our product. Uh, and then LV is just this amazing brand. I'm not sure if you guys have LV in the US, do you? I'm not familiar with it, but that might just be me. Tell me about LV. So they're a femtech brand um, and they make breast pumps, but they also make uh, like Kegel's exercise machine for postpartum and kind of um, women of all, all ages. But their advertising is by Mother London and it's just like simply amazing. Like one of their big campaigns, um, was this kind of like pop song that pastiched um, the kind of image of like mum as a milk, a milk cow to be milked or something. I don't <laughs> think I'm explaining that very well. But the imagery and stuff, go look it up. Like the imagery and stuff they re- used was quite revolutionary for that category. The message was basically like mums aren't milk machines um, and we've created this really cool product um, that slots into your bra so you can like um, pump on the go. So yeah, they're like a spearheading innovation in the category in terms of products, but also in in terms of marketing. So those are just two brands that that come to mind straight away and how they speak to mums. And then another brand is Maltesers, um, which is a Mars owned chocolate brand. And they have been like opening a conversation around mums mental health. So not just postpartum mental health, but um, just mums mental health and That's like an area where maybe 10 years ago, brands wouldn't have even dared touch, but they've enlisted some really high profile influencers and created again, a community online and an entire campaign from AMV around this uh, topic. So yeah, I think that times are changing and people are becoming a mom is such a taboo subject, like matrices is such a taboo topic that no one really has spoken about in great detail. But I think the advent of like online influencers being really authentic about it has pushed brands to be a bit more authentic. Um, and they're not doing it for the good of their own health. Of course, mums are huge, um, have huge spending power. So it's it's driven by recognizing that really, I think. But at the same time, they're, they're being useful to mums and, and showing up
2: yeah. And I mean, I think that whole line about just like the spending power that moms have making like and, and typically and this is we're assuming in like, you know, just um like a family of like a, a neutral family with the mother and the father, you know, obviously it, it changes like by household, uh, but mothers for the main part, they hold this really extreme buying power. So, you know, it's just mind boggling that we used to have ads that um you know, just depicted this unrealistic role of the mother. Um, And, you know, for example, like, one strong example that comes to mind, and I feel like this was kind of, like, uh, way ahead of its time, this move, but Meghan Markle, say -hmm. what you will about her, but this, like, when she was a young girl, she wrote a letter to P&G about, you know, about their commercial depicting the mother washing the dirty dishes and, you know, and she had, like, the perspective way ahead you know, of other brands at that time. You know, and she wrote to them and I believe Hillary Clinton and uh I think it was like, what is it? Nick at Night News. You know, this is that's just like a millennial throwback. Yeah. but <laughs> but about like, you know, I, I aspire to be more than just like a mother like washing dishes and and they responded. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think and honestly I credit PNG. I that they, they listen to their consumer and they have over the years, I think they've really tried, they've done the research and they're trying to to really realistically portray moms in the media today.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And credit to them for that, because that was before the the exchange with Megan was A, before she was famous, but it was before social media. Yes. So it wasn't performative. As you say, they were listening to their consumer. And you're right, P&G have moved the dial on this um, through the Pampers brand, but in the UK, um, Unilever ha- have really heavily moved the dial on this too, and in 2016, they made a pledge to purge female stereotypes from their ads, so like women cooking, uh, yeah, women cooking dinner, mum cooking dinner, uh, women cleaning the floor for a flash ad, or, um, so yeah, they remo- they've made a pledge to remove uh, female stereotypes, but they've since gone further and purged. Uh, pledge to remove all stereotypes from their advertising which of course is a process um but they're working alongside like the un alliance which has got different brands including mars and agencies on it as well uh, and yeah they're they're trying to to change what we see on screen i guess
2: right right and i think um a brand that I also just, you know, in kind of taking a look back, I was kind of just like flipping through the pages of AdWe coverage of Mother's Day before our conversation. And Teleflora has, you know, is another brand that um, they've kind of really put the work into messaging for their mothers. And specifically, you know, Terry wrote this really great piece um, about their spot last year. Actually, it's this year. Um, and I think last year they did one too. But this year's ad talks about the hardest part of the job, which is letting go of the kids, right? Um, and that that's a, a main part of motherhood. But they did it so effectively because they used UGC, um, you know, just real footage of mom's uh, know experiencing motherhoods like the highs and the lows you know the the tears and the successes um and and just ugc content they could have like gone to a nice fancy studio and done the production but i think this also shows how important it is to have a team of creatives and the minds on the campaign relate and really understand the consumer which in this case um, it seems like there were moms on the team, you know, just parents who could actually speak to the experience, which honestly, it really just does a, a world of a difference as you see in spots like these.
3: Yeah, I think it's so important that the people behind the scenes um, have those lived experiences and can at least relay them in and, and some way that that we see. And it's interesting you mentioned tele- Teleflora lose because um, they're obviously a US brand, but aren't they one of the brands that allow people to opt out of like Mother's Day marketing that's something we're seeing a lot from brands and like I wanted to I was keen to hear your kind of take on it from you know the the stuff we've covered at Adweek and the brands we cover like this seems to be more commonplace but I wonder if it's slightly jarring for a consumer to receive you know 10 emails pre-Mother's Day um, to asking them if they want to opt out of Mother's Day, this is quite a new thing we're seeing, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Also, oh, you're saying like the ten emails, like, are you sure you wanna, are you sure you want to receive these emails? <laughs> no, but to change the settings, right? To yeah. like just check. Yeah, I think you know one brand that stood out in my mind that I've seen do it is Etsy. Um, you know, and I've seen so many other brands follow suit, and it really is. Um, It's so progressive to see, you know, because it it really acknowledges, again, these are brands that are listening to their consumers. They're acknowledging that, you know, this may not be a happy time for everyone, you know, and whether it's your, you know, a consumer who's been dealing with infertility or, you know, just other kinds of different situations that are not so happily associated to motherhood. I think these brands are really listening to their consumers and it's it speaks volumes. And I believe they're doing it for other other occasions as well which yeah. is, is great
3: yeah, yeah I think it, it can only be a, a good thing can't it it just depends on how they execute it yeah um, and ask people like how they they want that change
2: yeah for sure I mean there was this um there's a few great voice pieces that are are related to this topic I mean touching on that about like just kind of grief marketing, Um, you know, Nicole Tabak, she wrote this really great piece last year. And it was very personal, um, just discussing a miscarriage and the social media feeds that were still filled with baby recommendations and pregnancy ads. And she had to physically unsubscribe, even though she was going through that moment. She is an example of various consumers that go through that. Um, so she wrote a really great piece on what brands can do, and and it goes beyond, like, the email notifications, right? It's, like, the social media feeds and just kind of and and listening there. Um, <clears throat> there was this other great voice piece, um, and this was before my time, but I thought it was just really so well written. And it is from Katie Keating about a Mother's Day ad that uh, that actually speaks to her. And in reality, at that time, there was no ad that spoke to her, but she points out a lot of things that um – would be typical to include in an ad, but they're actually not very realistic. Like, of course, we all want the breakfast in bed and you know, just looking like <laughs> perfect in the morning, you know, and and all that. But in reality, the kids are waking up at night and in commercials you see like mothers of either toddlers or college grads or their kids are having kids. Where are the mothers of the teenagers? Which are mm-hmm. proved to be really tough years as well. Um, so these these are the things that brands need to listen to. I mean. And go and I, I know we're a little bit all over the place, but there's so much to discuss here. And going back to the postpartum conversation, one brand that I think um that I've turned to a lot in the past few years uh during motherhood is Frida Baby.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and just like their brand in their product innovation and their brand messaging, it just wows me every time. They are just real. They use real language, like whether it's products for breast care, um, you know, during breastfeeding. And it's like, let us take care of your hoo-hahs, you know, or th- things yeah. like that. I appreciate it as a consumer. I'm like, you see me, I'm unpolished. I don't need the the pretty glittery packaging. Like you just have the messaging and you break it down for me on what I need to to see and, and hear. And Frida Baby is over there as well, right?
3: Yeah, they are. and they made a big splash here with that Golden Globes commercial a few years ago, which yes. showed you know like cluster feedings using cold cabbage, on and gorge breasts, like all these things that people just don't talk about the postpartum experience. And yeah, I think you're right. Like you're saying as a consumer, you feel seen. And I'd love to speak to them actually and unpack how they how they do that and get that kind of authentic tone of voice. But I think like this is what it's coming down to, isn't it? is authenticity. And some kind of interesting stats um, from the UK, from Channel Mum, which is like a kind of platform and forum for mums, is that lots of mums feel left behind by brands. Um, so ninety three percent don't think traditional advertising like represents their parenting experience. And I think when you're, you know, you're talking about, but where are we seeing the mums in ads of like the mums of eight year olds, the mums of adolescents? Like they're not depicted properly, and maybe it's time we start looking at the bigger picture and including all mums in the conversation, because with each new stage of motherhood or parenthood, there comes new challenges and, and new fears and new experiences. So I think it's all about representation of mums and ads, but representation of women and ads isn't quite there yet. So I just wonder how long that will take.
2: Yeah. Me too. (laughs) I guess we'll stay tuned, yeah. Um, Rebecca, I have so many more questions for you, and this is such a a conversation that's near and dear to our heart. Um, So before I dive into those questions, I think this might actually be a good time for a break. To our listeners, we will be back with more.
0: Yeah, that's probably an ad. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet viral Growth. Your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content, so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.
1: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead.
0: We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be.
2: And we're back with our conversation around Mother's Day messaging and specifically messaging moms in the media. Uh, I was about to pick Rebecca's brain and just Rapid fire, a bunch of questions. But I think my first one, Rebecca, is I would love to hear more about you mentioned in our conversations that there are some guidelines in the UK about, I believe, um, you said gender stereotyping or stereotyping guidelines for advertisements. Can you tell us about that? Because that's really interesting.
3: Yeah, so in the UK, the advertising industry is self-governed by an association called the ASA. It's not quite the same as the FTC. It's a self-regulated body, but it does impose the guidelines and rules for advertisers. And if they don't follow them, their ad will get banned or wrapped by the ASA. And in 2018, um, they launched a new series of guidelines around harmful gender stereotypes. Um, So ads that portray men as being hapless dads or imply women are unable to park a car and um, I feel personally attacked by that one Um, or <laughs> the little men for kind of carrying out like female tasks any ad that stereotypes against a man or a woman based on their um, gender and um, will be kind of scrutinized and and banned if deemed to be breaking the rules and a few months after that came into force Um, two TV ads were in fact banned and there's been subsequent kind of rulings since but it kind of keeps brands in line over here and I think um, that that's part of the reason that we've seen a little bit of a step change from brands thinking okay we can no longer lean on these tropes so maybe we need to get a bit more creative about how we speak to to mums and women and yeah one of the ads that was banned was around like a dad kind of bungling comically while looking after their babies um, while the mom, like, pushed the pram really sensibly. So the ASA is, like, pretty strict on this, um, wow. which I think is a good thing. Yeah, and, and
2: I'm surprised to hear for both stereotypes, like, for both men and women. Um, so that that's why I wish we had something like that here. We might, and our listeners know, and I don't. But I, as far as I know, to have such a formal regulation of ads um, in terms of stereotypes, I've not really seen here um instead we just see more brands leading the charge where we've seen like brands like Dove, you know, do the research um in supporting their female consumers. So that that's more of what we see over here in the US. Mm-hmm. Um you know, something that um We also saw here that was pretty impactful was – and you mentioned this before – was the spot running during Golden Globes um, Mm -hmm. where motherhood remains one of the most – and this was a really great piece at the time from Lisa Lacey, and I think it still rings true. Motherhood remains one of the most controversial topics in advertising um, regardless of the buying power here and and all that. Um, And it was, I believe, was it Nike or Frida Baby? There were a bunch of ads. Um, I think it was Nike – or was it yeah. Frida Baby that, that did was, the ad during Golden Globes? There
3: was two that year, I think, from Nike and Frida. Um, and both their creative teams must have been like, damn, like we <laughs> thought we got in there first. But it's yeah. good that they both, <laughs> they both did. Like uh, That's a thing to celebrate. Yeah. But yeah, that made a big splash, right? Because it, they obviously spent a lot of money on buying slots for those at the Golden Globes, showing that they're putting their money where their mouth is.
2: Right, right, exactly. And, you know, I think to maybe folks that are not as close to the topic. You know, maybe one might ask, why do we care? Why do we care how motherhood is depicted? And, you know, this doesn't pertain to me. This doesn't relate to me. Um, You know, advertising works. We all, we can all agree. Advertising works. And this is media representation. So how Mm -hmm. these roles are being portrayed in the media has a very big effect on our homes themselves. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's brands like, Happy Family um Organics they have a, a f- Happy Family Organics they have like some great products and I received some of their content geared towards new moms um but you know they they're a brand that has a belief that we cannot achieve equity in the workplace or out in the world without really tackling what's going on inside our walls. And mm-hmm. it's ads like these that show balanced roles, you know, between two partners, regardless of whether it's, you know, two women or a woman and a man, you know, just like the roles being divided in the household um, mm-hmm. so that everyone has a fair opportunity to have the career and, you know, and balance and all that. Um, So th- this is why this matters media representation and these brands are doing the are making the difference um as you've seen over there in the UK I'm sure as well
3: yeah this is like a dei issue um when it comes to on screen and how you depict people advertising has a huge role in society it's a huge part of the media that we consume and if you're not speaking to mums, then you're excluding a huge segment of society. And yeah, as you said, it's a responsibility too to show that families come in all shapes and sizes, which we're seeing a bit more from, from brands too. But I think that's like a conversation probably that we could record an, another podcast on and how brands are depicting the modern family rather than like the nuclear one um, boomers might have uh, grown up with.
2: Right. But
3: I think we're seeing a little bit more of that But I don't think we're seeing too much of it in the UK. It's still, when you watch a TV ad, it's usually depicted as as mom and dad.
2: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I've noticed that too. You know, and these are, and obviously we're a little bit more uh, sensitive to the topic, like we watched commercials with a a different kind of interest than maybe the other folks sitting on the couch with us, you know. Um, But I even noticed little things like, I remember around Christmas time, like Target has their really colorful, you know, Christmas ads over here. Um, And it's fun and funky and visually appealing, beautiful, bright colors. But what I noticed was the people that they were depicting. And there is it's, one simple scene, but to me it spoke volumes, where it was a family setting the table. It wasn't the mom setting the table. It wasn't, like, the partner setting the table. It was the kid setting the table, and it was a teenage boy. And to me, I, you know, that that itself is – it's a one- two-second thing, but that, to me, shows a little bit yeah. of progress there, you know?
3: Yeah. Those little signals are so important, aren't they? You pick up on them in movies and TV, but also – also in advertising. And let's not forget this is a commercial issue. Like in the UK, um, mums firmly control family purchases within a kind of nuclear family or am I using the right term sorry. Am I yes. using the terminology there? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll start again. <laughs> um So yeah, let's not forget this is a commercial issue. In the UK, we're seeing that, you know, within a nuclear family, mums are the chief influencers of family purchases. They account for over 70% of household spending and represent £205 billion of the UK's total economy. So if you're not speaking to them, Brands, you're losing out. Yes. Quite simply.
2: Yep absolutely and we remember i think as you know this generation is definitely a lot more conscious of the brands that support their beliefs their values you know whether you're a marketer or not you definitely branding is and marketing it's a little more mainstream now you know um <clears throat> And then, as you mentioned earlier in our conversation, the creator economy has a huge impact on this. So you see creators, people in your feeds and the brands that they're supporting. So this is all mainstream and it's super relevant. Um, And, you know, I know that we discussed before, like we're talking about Mother's Day messaging, but in reality, really, this is messaging geared towards women um, and a brand that I've seen kind of they still have work to do admittedly, you know, and this is what they've said. Um but the NFL has kind of changed their approach to to speaking to women and just the way that they highlight women and it's because a large part of their viewers are women themselves. So why would advertisers not use this opportunity to share their messaging during football games, you know, so that's important, too. Um, And then we saw the NFL, you know, highlight flag football, uh, female player from Mexico during this past season, um, which was super interesting. And yeah, I mean, I, I think the space is definitely changing. Obviously, there's still more work to do. But I think some of the brands that we discussed are doing the work and they're moving the needle a little bit. They're Mm-hmm. You know, inside their own walls, they're doing the work and it shows and the brands that don't do the work, it also shows, um, which I think, you know, ties into something that you had said to me earlier this week where brands, consumers don't want brands speaking at them anymore. They want to Mm -hmm. speak to them and engage them, right? Like, that's what you were saying earlier this week. And I thought that was such a good point.
3: Yeah, you're right. And I think no matter what kind of consumer you are, that is the case. Like, it's all about these interactions that are two-way rather than one way between a brand and a consumer now. And this is a good example, um, but... Maltesers in the UK started this conversation around like um, maternal mental health and they got lots of um, influencers and creators on board to spread that message and talk about their own kind of journey there. And it was a really successful brand campaign for Maltesers. I'm pretty sure that they saw uh, brand perception and sales go up on the back of it. So it just shows the power of embracing the wider kind of creator community and help getting them to help you execute your strategy and um, because that's who ultimately when mums or anyone sitting on the sofa is like flicking through their phone that's who they're listening to now they're not they're not watching the tv they're double screening yes and, uh, influencers are in their eyes and in their ears
2: yeah absolutely and I think um you know something else that plays a a role here and um, we haven't talked much about, but it's like you mentioned before, the DEI component. So there are different issues for women across different communities. So Mm -hmm. Black mothers have different kinds of, face different kinds of inequities and, you know, access to resources, Latino mothers, um, Asian American mothers, you know, with different cultural tropes out there. So there's, it's really important that brands do the research to try to get it right. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to say in our messaging, in our in our conversation here, is that brands have to do the work. Um, they have the power to really undo some of this these harmful stereotypes that have been developed in the past.
3: Mm-hmm. And stereotypes that they've ultimately helped create. <laughs> yep, yep. I know. I, if you think about like
2: the, you know, I think Shannon actually, Shannon Miller had put it so perfectly in a piece that she wrote last year about this um, really great spot featuring a same sex couple. But she worded it as. The prototypical characteristics of a mother, straight, side gender, and perfectly coiffed with bottomless energy and time, just to start, you know, making those of us who exist outside of those very narrow boxes feel unwelcome or even unworthy of the mom title. And it's just like she just so perfectly oh gosh, wow. captured it. Yeah. yeah. I know we miss her. So <laughs> but it's so true, you know, and if you're not. If you don't even slightly resemble like if you have a hair out of place, you already feel like you can't connect to some of those ads. Um, So, yeah, I thought I thought she described it perfectly.
3: Yeah, that is perfect. And as you say, so many of these um, kind of classic Mother's Day ads, you know, mom in bed, full face of makeup, like, I'm sure that's what you'll look like on Sunday, Liz.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't wake up, like, two times throughout the night to get the baby or, like, you know, or my toddler wanting to eat my bagel in bed, which happened last year, you know, like. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so big kudos to the brands who are actually, like, accurately portraying the the beauty of motherhood, the, yeah. the unpolished
3: chaos. Yeah, the messy, technicolor, but yeah. glorious chaos. Yes, and- just one more thing I wanted to mention too. There's, of course, different journeys to motherhood and just a bit of a trigger warning here for miscarriage. But I think that brands are starting to get more sensitive um, in the way that they're speaking to people that have experienced miscarriage or trouble conceiving. Um, and one example was Eltern, which is a German uh, parenting platform, which last year ran a Mother's Day um, kind of content campaign campaign. Around miscarriage and the the kind of message that one in six pregnancies um in Germany do end in miscarriage. It's such a common occurrence, and kind of encouraging people to open up and talk about that taboo subject. And as we've seen with you know body form, the um, in the US, like they you know they changed period advertising for the better by showing blood on screen, brands do have the ability to break down these taboos. And so I think it's really important that brands are starting to address the different journeys that people have towards motherhood um, and encourage people to speak about any any struggles they, they might be facing.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. See, the way I view it over here is um, brands are helping break some of the taboos. And I hate that it's taboo because these are our bodies and it's natural, you know, but um, but the yeah. taboo subjects of what our bodies go through. Um, But I, I credit a lot, like going back to creators and celebrities, like one example I'll use is Chrissy mm-hmm. Teigen, a little bit of a controversial figure at times, you know, depending on the subject you're talking about. But yeah. she was – one of the celebs that was really open about um just kind of her her difficult you know birth and just like her pregnancy and um, and I think it's conversations like that like more and more, and it's unfortunate. I have a lot of friends who have suffered miscarriages. and I don't know mm-hmm. if anyone would have talked about that 20 years ago, but mm-hmm. in in today's day and age, because we're seeing it a little bit more mainstream, abortion is a big conversation topic in the mm-hmm. United States, you know, across different states. and um, I think I really credit, you know, celebrities and creators and, and people really getting out there and talking about their own personal experiences to make this less taboo. And so we could find our community a bit more.
3: Yeah, you're right. And creators are a huge part of this. And as usual, brands are kind of playing catch up. But as long as they can add something of value to that conversation and that it's authentic again, then I think that can only be a good or helpful thing.
2: Right, right. Oh my goodness. I think we keep talking about this for ages and we probably will on Slack <laughs> keep talking about it. But I think, um, Rebecca, I really appreciate your perspective and just kind of sharing what's going on in the UK in this area. And um, I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for for sharing your insights and your research from the years.
3: Yeah, same back at you and have a lovely Mother's Day. Enjoy your breakfast in bed. Thank you. I will be sharing
0: it, I'm <laughs> sure.
2: Uh- <laughs> And thank you to our listeners. Um, and we will see you all next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com podcasts. Stay updated on all things AdWeek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at AdWeek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence.